Revolting is a production of the Cycling Independent, with the support of listeners like you, and this month, the support also of the master bike builders at Seven Cycles. TCI is a community-supported, community-focused site dedicated to the whole of cycling. The Cycling Independent, we say, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 91, Some Regerts. Content warning over the next hour, stuff might get weird here. There's no telling where the digressions, tangents, and yarns might lead. If you're not ready for mayhem, go click something more predictable. Thank you and beat it. Good morning. This is the, or good day, maybe good night. I don't know. This is the Revolting podcast, the 91st episode, which is wild astonishing i am astonished we're closing in on a century i you know it's it's way early in the show to start uh soliciting listener input but i feel like the hundredth show should be a banger and i just don't know if i'm up to producing such a thing that's a lot well but it's a lot of pressure i don't think we're i think we'll we'll do whatever we do sometimes we hit sometimes we miss and you if miss? we uh, sort of, I mean, we hit the target, we hit the general vicinity. It's just not a bullseye. So I don't, I don't follow our traffic week to week. The podcast is growing week after week. It's growing. Uh, and Patrick told me that um, the sad sack episode we did about Django dying was our most listened to episode ever. Hmm. So what, like twelve people listen to it? I think uh, it, um, almost two thousand. Wow. Uh, well, uh, you know, time to get sad. Let's let's take yeah. that. Let's get on the sad train. <laughs> I mean, and maybe we'll end up sad. Uh, our pre-show conversation was not sad. Mm. Uh, as is typical for us, we got on uh, the skypes here. And began uh, jabbering at each other and we're laughing and then decide, <laughs> oh, shit, we have to press record real quick because we're, we're losing all our good jokes. OK, so, yeah. So uh, somebody pointed out, somebody commented on All Hail the Black Market that I'd already picked test volumes, uh, test patterns, volume one. The uh, the monster magnet record that I picked last week, I also picked in the 59th episode, but that was when it was first released. And the test patterns that I picked last week was the one that was sent to me. And I forgot that I already own it. I do that pretty frequently. I bought, um, I bought a few records a few times cause I see it in a record store and I think, Oh, that's yeah. a badass record. I would like to own that. And I buy it and I bring it home and I, and I have two other copies waiting for me. And, uh, conversely, I every time I see the Caius discography, I think, oh, I want to buy that. And then I think, no, I already own that. And then I come home and I don't own it at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't seem to remember ever really which certainly which records I own and uh, which records I don't own. But um, yeah, so I apologize. I just looped back around and got hyped on that record again and forgot that I already mentioned it 40 episodes earlier. And I was saying to steve when this came up that I sort of thought in the back of my mind, he's picked this before, but okay, whatever. Uh, and then, uh, but it turns out that some of you are paying more attention to us than us. <laughs> and then we are. And I also, yeah. I came down on robot. Well, I didn't come down on robot, but I mentioned the, the image that was used, like the opening image or whatever is the star Wars characters. I swear to God, that's already been like, We've run out of the t- t- doubles characters. And then I was thinking like the honeymooners, we probably have we done like no, pictures no, of no. two people or two no. beings. Every time I think I've exhausted them all, I find more. But yeah, it is possible I repeated that. And then you texted me. You were I mean, it wasn't like you were giving me grief, but it was. 
No. You were, it was clear like you were like, this this will not stand. <laughs> and I was like, oh, don't worry. I'll fix it when I got home, when I get home. I don't. And then I didn't, didn't think about it again. Uh, I, you know, <clears throat> I'm uh, purely capable of pointing out uh, everybody else's deficiencies or mistakes. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, looking inward, not so yeah. much. Well, uh, um, if you were looking at me, uh, I, I am for mistakes. I am what uh, they call in the military a target rich environment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you being a target rich environment. Yeah. Not me. Yeah, my wife and my wife and kids are, are, are yes. My favorite thing that my um, older son does. I, I shave my own head. I don't go to the barbershop very often. Every like, I like every 10 haircuts or so to go to the barber and have them reset the wreckage that I've created Mm -hmm. And, uh, but so I, I shave my head, uh, pretty often, probably like once a month. And when I say shave it, I give myself whatever this boy's regular haircut is, uh, as best I can, but I, it's hard to see the back of your head. And so I typically, I will do it. And then like three or four days later, Owen will say, are you going to fix the back of your head or not? <laughs> <laughs> There's like one big strip of long hair back there that nobody's yeah. told you about. Yeah. I'm I'm working on a rat tail that I'm unaware of. I I'm super bummed. I talked about a lady who who cut my hair here in town, and the place just kind of unceremoniously closed down. And I don't know what happened to the lady. And there's a few other places like I just stopped into this really bougie salon yesterday before acupuncture, and I was like, "Hey, do you got time for a drop in?" They're like, "No, we're booked weeks out." You know, like. No, man, this isn't super cuts. You can't just like fall in here and get a haircut. And I sort of, you know, crestfallen was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just continue to walk around town looking like shit. And the lady <laughs> thought that was kind of funny, but I, I can't schedule. I can't schedule a haircut. I can't schedule anything. And I'm, I'm getting a little stressed out because when my hair gets long anymore, it used to just turn into this big, like beautiful Afro. And now it's, it's like a mangy dog. It sucks. <laughs> My hair sucks when it gets a little bit longer and I don't, I'm, I don't know what to do. I could just yeah, shave I, it. I mean, it's hot as nuts here right now. So having a shaved head might feel pretty good, but I'm also afraid it won't grow back. Well, I mean, you can do what I do. So I got, I have the clippers with the different guards and I do, you know, like a, like a six on top and a three on the sides and then a one around the edges and I'm all done. I mean, I fuck it up every single time, but you know, you have people in your house that'll tell you, you know, like they'll help you though. I don't have that anymore. So I'm just going to go out into the world and plus curly hair is really, is really hard to cut. You are, and, you, you are our own little orphan Annie of, I, of curls. It's true. And another thing about curly hair that sucks is that like when I was, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I wanted like all of the popular hairstyles. When I was in second grade, I wished yeah. I could feather my hair. I just had this big dumb Afro. And then yeah. when I was in fifth grade, I wanted uh, like the kind of spiky punk romantics cut. Uh, yep. Can't do that with curly hair. And then when I was in ninth grade, I wanted like the Tony Hawk pirate, like sweep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't do that with curly hair. And then what else? Um, well, then in the 2000, early 2000s, I didn't want like a scenester kid haircut. But I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do that. Like you can't do fuck all with curly hair. I have very wavy hair. And so I'm just like you. I always wanted my my youngest son has that um, like really straight. Like he does that thing where he brushes it off and it all sort of flutters back into one oh. place. He could do that one eye cover thing. Like he yeah. could do all of that stuff. And I can't do anything. He when he was little, he said to me, he's like, Dad, there's a lot of air in your hair. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's just Kids. like poofy. They say the darndest things, don't they? They do. <clears throat> how's your uh, How's your week been? Um, I'm having a I'm having a a little bit of an ADD week where, and uh, you and I talk about this all the time, but uh, 
we we like to say or joke about like if I have one thing to do at two thirty, I can't do anything up until two thirty, mm-hmm. or else I'm gonna fuck up two thirty. Um, lately I have like two, three, and even four things scheduled every day, and it's I'm just a twist. Nothing is very serious. Nothing is super important, but just to show up where I'm supposed to show up, I'm like clenched. I'm like, my butt cheeks are fully clenched all the time trying to stay on track. I feel really out of practice with that. I think if it's, I I don't know, maybe if it's a thing that you do on the, or a person does on the regular, it it gets a little bit easier. I haven't had a schedule like a, like a a proper schedule in 14. What is this, August? Holy shit, 14 <laughs> years. Uh, in two days. August 18th was the day that I launched my website 14 years ago. You just went on that spacewalk and never came back into I, the ship. I think it was August 18th, or maybe it was August 28th. Anyway, it's coming up that I've just not really had to do anything but worry about my own shit. And now I'm broken forever doing anything, like having... Uh, responsibilities knowing what day it is knowing what month it is like none of that uh, yeah a spacewalk is a perfect analogy and the the cord man it's, it's <laughs> t- tangled and long not a lot of oxygen getting through <laughs> i can't i can't i guess i can keep going you know whatever i go into the national forest and build a little bushcraft shack against a rock cliff and a rock face and you know get yeah. a german shepherd and make a youtube channel yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> so you've had a busy week. You've yeah. been b- being Mr. Mom. Uh, you've also been taking care of your own mother. Yep. Um, yep. Plus Very you got much. King responsibilities, King cycling components, makers of fine cycling components, fine little steel balls and seven. Seven you cycles. Of, you got a Chris lot of King. You got a lot of hats. The cycling right independent. Yeah, I'm nonstop. I am nonstop. I'm a I'm like a I'm like family Uber. I Uber my mom to all her doctor's appointments. The funny thing now is um so my mom is 80 and she's been having a whole lot of trouble since she got COVID about I don't know, three months ago. And now when I take her to the doctor, she wants me to come in with her so I can hear what the doctor says. But my mom my mom and I have this um, sort of um, affectionately abusive relationship. So the doctor will be examining her and saying, Oh, can you do this? And I'll be like, Oh, vampires, vampires can't see them. Some of them. So I'm constantly making (laughs) comments like that. (laughs) Or like yesterday we were at the neurologist and she was, she had the little uh, rubber hammer and she was testing all the reflexes. And I was like, can I have a turn? And, um, my mom is just constantly she like wants me in there so that I can hear what the doctor says and like participate in the discussion after. But she's also like, can you shut the fuck up? And, like, you know, <laughs> and the medical professionals we see are um, at first they're they're really not sure and a little uncomfortable. But by the end, most of them seem to be into it. Yeah, they have like the uh, like elder protective services on on like one Okay, and I've dialed all of the numbers except for the last one, and then they realize that you're just having a goof. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I took her to the emergency room a couple weeks ago. I, I don't want to get into this whole saga, but I took her to the emergency room a couple weeks ago, and the woman came out and was like, I'm going to talk to your mom on her own for a few minutes. So she they she wheeled her into the back and then brought her back out, and my mom was like, I don't know what all that was about. And I was like, they're trying to determine that I'm not beating you. <laughs> yeah. Blink <laughs> twice if you're yeah. safe. <laughs> yeah and she's and my mom is like well if i had known that i would have ratted you out <laughs> uh, that's good i like that yeah. <clears throat> uh well not that you asked but i haven't done any of those things well i was week. just about to ask i was i feel like we were at the pivot point in the conversation and you no nothing nothing uh it's been real hot went swimming yesterday went to this little jumping spot and jumped into the sound a bunch of times and that was great huh. Nice. Uh, my backflips are perfect. Uh, really showing the children up. You know, they're just doing these little wimpy jumps, and I'm doing these fucking gainers. Who's the <laughs> old guy with all the panache? They probably are asking when they leave. 
why is his chest so hairy? <laughs> uh, and then been working in my new little bunker studio a little bit. And um, what's the other thing? Oh, uh, so you went camping. I, yeah, my friend Joe and Kirsten, uh, I stopped by. I stopped by their house and Kirsten said, hey, you want to go camping? Just spontaneously go camping. Uh, and I was like, well, I got to get through my bar shift. And my bar shift always spin, puts me in a little bit of a tailspin because I generally fall asleep really late. And uh, and uh, I got done with work early-ish, you know, like 2.33. And then I hung out and had a drink with the coworker and kind of shot the breeze. And got home, I guess, about 4, 4.30. Woke up a couple hours later and to a text, and uh, Kirsten's like, you want to go? We're leaving at noon. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm on it. I mean, maybe it was sort of a tentative plan previous to this, but uh, so I jammed to the store. I'm sleep-deprived, probably not hungover, but, because I didn't have that many drinks, but like I just like my synapses weren't really on point. But I went to the grocery store. I bought... Um, I bought supplies, got a bag of ice, got an 18 pack of beer, put it all in my bag and my bike basket, got a bunch of fruit, rode home, loaded my coolers, loaded the coolers into my truck. It's like 90 degrees. So I'm like already sweat, I sweat through my pants, <laughs> get my bags packed, get my remote control trucks packed, make sure my BB guns in my truck, like all my toys <laughs> are there. And then I get to their house, like only a little bit, a little bit late. And we all asked to this lake it's about an hour and a half away really really beautiful we got skunked on all the campsites there we went to the next spot got all skunked on all the campsites there went to the next spot and there was a place that was reserved for the following night but we just pulled in and poached it like i mean we paid for it but like you know this is gigantic national forest so if we got skunked in these places you just go on a little jeep road and you can find a non-dispersed site you know like a quarter mile away in any direction. Um, <clears throat> so we, we just posted up there and went like swimming and went, uh, shot beer cans and ate food and drank beer and watched. It was a beautiful night, like a moonless night. So the stars were super bright. Um, right at the base of Mount Baker on the north side of Mount Baker. So you see this big ass volcano. And then we talked about like, if it, if it blew, if we watched it blow up like Mount St. Helens, do you, do you think we'd have time to get out of here? <laughs> and, uh, and Joe surmised that no, we would not have time to get out of there. So we would have to do the most perverted sexual things with each other. Like in, uh, <laughs> we had about 45 seconds uh, to, 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 uh, to do a bunch of dirty stuff. And then, probably just get burned alive in a cloud of hot ash hot ash um and uh yeah i hadn't really been riding bikes a whole bunch a little bit here and there but since doing this job uh my i'm kind of slowly recovering last week i was a fucking wreck and this week i've had the time off and now i'm like kind of feeling like i'm coming back into my body um but one of your hands doesn't work yeah, I lo- it's happened the last time I used a jackhammer, too. It, for probably a couple months, I lost the feeling in my most of my right hand, and I'm kind of there again, like thumb, index finger, and, and middle finger are all kind of dead, um, which, you know, gives me uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of pressure considering the fact that I'm right-handed. You know, it just stresses me out a little bit, like, is it going to come right. back to me? Right. Um. But I'm throwing all the physical therapy and acupuncture and massage and uh, chiropractic work and, you know, rolling myself out on the foam roller and all the other physical therapy items that I have thrown all over my house. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all been, your equipment and apparatuses. Yeah. It's been a it's been a cool it's been a cool week. The weather is beautiful. Gearing up for the maid show here in uh, a week Yep. or so. Yeah, uh, where we will not see each other. <clears throat> we won't see each other. You're going to be leaving the day that I get there, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. maybe this is just this is just the existence we have as we we've seen each other since we've been doing this podcast and had this relationship. We've seen each other in person one time. So we know that the other actually exists. And we've confirmed that um 
being in the same place doesn't destroy one or the other of us. Yeah, and because like, I was concerned that we are the same person on some level and that there could not be more than one and one of us would implode or explode or whatever. But we we actually we even hugged. Yeah. It'd yeah. Be, it would be some kind of like everything everywhere all at once situation where we walk in and then all of a sudden we both have like dildo fingers or hot dog fingers or oh, you know, hot dog fingers is what if, it was. Uh, right. And if anybody hasn't seen everything everywhere all at once, uh, that's a movie that I encourage everyone to watch because it's a it's a piece of uh, it's a beautiful piece of art. It really is. Um, um, you and you... I also did uh, collaborated on an upcoming piece of revolting merch. Uh, we did. Oh, <laughs> oh, you told me to do something and I did it. Was that the thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what our collaborations look like. Me going, hey, we should do this. And you going, oh, like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, co- a coffee mug. It's a coffee mug because I'm very I, I, I'm a little bit of a coffee mug dork. I have like a, a collection of coffee mugs from various things. And I was like, I want a revolting coffee mug. I like a nice coffee mug. Is there going to be anything in the coffee mug so you get a little prize when you finish your drink? Uh, that's a good question. I like those. And you can get like sometimes a, you like can get, a boner in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something like I was thinking like a little mouse or a little cat or something. That oh. would be if I mean. I'm sure there's a company that you can find a vendor that does such a thing. Um, but if you, if you don't, I was thinking of a little print or a boner would be fine too. <laughs> <laughs> a little turd, a little coiler a little in the bottom of your cup. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Talk to your people. See if you can track something like that down. Yeah. Uh, cost custom boner boner mug. I'm gonna start there. Yeah, dude, just let your fingers do the walk, walking. Ceramic Jesus, dog turd. Most died on a swallow of coffee right there. Let's do a uh, uh, music picks and then get after this shit, eh? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Um, my pick this week is uh, the 1996 release by uh, San Diego's own Clickatat Ikatawi, uh, one of the best band names ever. The record is orchestrated and conducted by Klickitat Ikatawi. And this is, um, it is, I would call it high San Diego art rock, kind of. It's post-hardcore. And you know, I love the post music. Mm -hmm. All of the music that comes after the music (coughs) is the music I like best. Um, uh, Mario Rubacaba, skater. Uh, one-time pro skater uh, also drummed for everyone uh, everyone uh, rocket from the crypt um, hot snakes um, off off that's right uh, that, what's pin, the, pin back what's the one that meandery like stoner um, oh come on the the sort of meandery stoner jam jam doom jam band project that he plays with come on that's like his like his primary project right now uh, i don't know um damn it uh jet black crayon did he play with them too i don't know i think he was in crash worship also no no, uh, no? Rick, Rick everyone Ford. was in crash worship everyone you were in, in crash worship and you didn't know it <laughs> uh when, when i broke the smoke machine i was um Oh no, Blackheart Procession. That was the one. Oh, uh, and, that's the one. And Earthless. He was in he's in Earthless. He's in Earthless, yeah. He's yeah. in everything. I forgot I didn't maybe I didn't even know he was in Clickatatic Atawi. But I, yeah, I knew was, the I knew the name. I just don't think I'd really like invested very much of myself into any of their output. Well, I remember when this record came out, uh one of my roommates was really into it. And I listened to it some in 1996 and was like a little perplexed. And then as is typical of something that's really good later, I cottoned on to what they were doing and enjoyed it. And I just listened to it again last week or the week before. I forget even why. I think you had told some story about Mario. 
Where, well, I went to see I went to see the Hot Snakes in Denver in 2019, and Mario was playing drums. God damn it! And I did this again. Uh, the other name, the name of the other drummer in Hot yes. Snakes is um, Jason. I think I said I think I said John last time. Um, but so Mario was playing and then this, and then the, whatever the song ended, I went and got a can of beer and I came back and Jason was playing drums. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> and I asked somebody I was standing next to, and they were equally perplexed. Um, but I later, so this was probably in like July or August. No, it was in September. And then the following month I was in San Diego and I was hanging out with our friend Mickey and oh hi and we, mickey we were talking uh with pdx and uh and mario and i got the opportunity to ask mario like what where did you go where what happened there so you say yeah. did you have to catch a flight or like what what happened and it was a glitch because there's a lot of been there a lot of glitches in the matrix lately i don't know what the fuck is going on uh, and he said, no, we just had the opportunity to all go on tour together. And he played his songs and I played my songs. And so that's probably that. That, that was my favorite story. <clears throat> How very civilized of them. Um, you I, you have a music pick and I don't want to uh, delay it too much, but um, you're you have a show. You're going to the, see the Bronx soon. I'm going to see Next the Bronx week. on Friday, uh, the 25th. Yeah. Very, very excited. Do you have a question prepared in the event that you can speak with them? Uh, no, but I've been kind of thinking about it just real quickie, you know, as, as I, as I do, I don't know, honestly, like I'm going to have to borrow somebody else's photos. I usually like, I've been really taken with, uh, like I like carrying my little pocket camera and taking live photos, like from the pit. Uh, yep. Kind of a la Charles Peterson, but not that good. And um, uh, I have a suspicion that this show is going to be pretty bananas and I'm not going to want to have like a $500 camera in my pocket. Mm. You know what I mean? So I want to take pictures, but I also want to like be present. I'm a little torn, but I, I, I will ask a question, uh, assuming I can figure one out. Yeah. Uh, if anybody has, oh, no, this fucking show is going to be uh, published by then. Well, I don't know. You think about it, too. Give me some ideas. I'll come up with something. I, I, well, Whatever. I, I, I suck. I went to see Red Fang and Teen, Teen Mortgage uh, a few, three, four weeks ago, and I did have the opportunity, and I just, like, totally let the moment pass. Yeah. Um. And in some ways, I think it's better to just add, don't pre prethink the question too much. Just let it happen. Yeah. And the question might be something like, hey, do you do you guys like hockey? Well, I know the singer is a is a big baseball fan. It's a big. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. uh, what's the Los Angeles uh, Dodgers, right? Dodgers. He's a big Dodgers fan. So. I might. If I can talk to him, I might ask him a Dodgers related question, but that would be kind of disingenuous because I'm, you know, I don't give a shit about baseball. I give right. a shit about people who give a shit about baseball. That's not quite the same. It's an adjacent right. shit giving. Uh, so I'll, fi I'll figure something out. But uh, speaking of the Bronx, uh, my music pick for this week is the Drips. And the Drips is a band that's comprised of some members of the Bronx and some members of the Distillers and maybe another person or two. And uh, this <clears throat> this record came out. They have a is Mario Rubalcaba in it? <laughs> no, just just kidding. they have a few. Let's see, they got a few seven inches, and I think one full length LP. I think I can't remember. Um, and it had always sort of it was a peripherally it was in my field of vision, but I never owned it. I'd heard it, and I don't know why I didn't investigate as soon as I found out that it was Distillers and Bronx personnel. Uh, but I ended up getting a copy of it, whatever, two week and a half ago or something. I found a copy of it on vinyl. Beautiful marbled blue and white swirly vinyl. Like a bar of Irish spring soap, but the blue. Oh, no, Coast. Coast? Coast is blue. Is Coast yeah. soap? Does that even it used exist to be. anymore? 
uh, coast, <laughs> the scent opened your eyes. Remember when coast they on the and I, you realize? Remember the Irish Spring ads where the guy pick up, pull out a big pocket knife and cut a huge chunk out of it so you could see all the swirls. That's how you know yeah. it's working. Yeah, that ad always kind of made me a little hungry. I do every time that ad, anytime an Irish Spring ad comes on because it's like cartoonishly Irish. All of their ads, yeah. you know, like. Oh, this is Dermot. I do like a, a like a fake voiceover. This is Dermot. I am so dirty. Clean as a He whistle. just likes to work all day and then get out his soap, <laughs> washes himself up, and then goes down to the pub to try to interact with some lasses. <laughs> Brittany's always like, can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> just like to i go down the pub and have a few pints and ha- try to have sex with some sluts <laughs> yeah so okay oh, anyway the drips or is it just oh, yeah, drips, drips. My it's, bad. it's great it's a picture of a dude holding a gigantic lobster on the cover like something from like a 60s era national geographic uh so it's a banger I love it. You love it. If you like the Bronx, you like the distillers, you think some combination of the two would be good. I, and then uh, check it out, provided you can actually find a copy of it, because I think it's a little rare. Came out on White Drugs Records when I say 2010. Did I say that? You did. Uh, all right. So that's it. Uh, music picks done and dusted. Get a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Right back. Do you love high-quality bike lights and bike pumps and tire inflators and baskets and bags and cargo racks and fenders and various other essentials any normal person needs to get through life by bike? Of course you do. Probably preaching to the choir here, you're likely up to speed on Portland Design Works. This podcast is actually sponsored by them, makers of high-quality fenders, cages, lights, and all the other stuff I just mentioned, plus some. Use code REVOLTING15 for 15% off your first PDW order. My two favorite items that they make are the Cargo Web, which keeps all my stuff intact, safe and sound in my basket, and the 3 Rincho, which is an offset 15mm coated wrench with a tire lever on the end. The attentive among us might remember the infamous Dan Cheever eating peanut butter with his in an old video spot they did several years ago. Portland Design Works, they're the best. Remember, use code REVOLTING15 for 15% off your first PDW order. I'm not the boss of you. You are. But you know what's right. Portland Design Works. Beautiful, simple gear for everyday cycling. This month, we're sponsored by our good friends at Seven Cycles, who have been in the vanguard of American custom frame building for more than a quarter century. I worked there for most of a decade, and I learned things I didn't even know I needed to learn. When you work with Seven on a bike, you get real input into the design. They offer more tube set options than any other builder. They offer more ways to customize your bike. The process is deep, but it's also fun. The result is a bike you're going to love riding for a lifetime. We've secured a few places in their busy build queue for revolting listeners, which means you can get a fully custom dream bike from Seven in just three weeks from the time you submit your measurements. This is the fastest route to the very best bike you're going to find. In addition, they're doing this cool thing called the Centennial Build, where the designer, bike builder, welder, and finisher combined will have 100 years of bike building experience. So it's sort of underlining the, the depth and the experience in every bike. So check it out at 7cycles.com TCI. And we're back. And we're back. What are we doing today? Well, uh, this episode is called Some Regrets. Uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they say, We shall not regret the past nor seek to shut the door on it. Why they need to use such fancy words is not <clears throat> clear to me and never was. But the point is that all of our mistakes and troubles have brought us to this moment. A moment when we're seeking to be better people. In reality, we've all probably got a thing or two we wish we could get a mulligan on, and today we're going to talk about some of that stuff. Well, what was it electric la- on the Electric Ladyland, Butthole Surfer's Electric Ladyland record? I said, 
Dad. Wait, how's it go? It's on oh, Locust Abortion Locust Technician. Locust Abortion Technician. Yeah, and it's, uh, Dad, what does regret mean? Well, the funny thing about regret, it's better to regret something you have done than something you haven't done. And when you see your mother, be sure and tell her, Satan, Satan, Satan it's the beginning Satan. of their cover of Greenleaf. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's yeah. the one. Uh, Sweetleaf. Sweetleaf. <sighs> Thank you. I, I can remember everything halfway. <laughs> it's fucked. Uh, I, I feel like I'm following beh up behind you with a dustpan <laughs> and brush. It's true. Uh, I got a half a lobe and it does everything okay. No, buddy, your last name's Knievel. Anyway, um... Regrets. Yeah, I got a ton yeah. of them, you know? But, like, it's... You live and you learn, you know? You fall down, you pick yourself up. The mistake is when you... When you fuck up, regret it, and then do the same thing over again later. I don't... You know, little things, little missteps, or little stumbles, that's, that's fine. Big, big life-altering, or doing something where you hurt someone else, and then you do it again. I think that's where you... I don't know. I'm, I try to uh, avoid that. Like, my big regret is not... And it's not even a regret, because there's nothing I could have done, but, like, not had the foresight in my marriage to do everything i just thought it was like i i got we kind of let it coast you yeah. know i was like i wouldn't i'm not going anywhere she's not going anywhere like we're in this for the long haul. we I, you know we have a a great relationship i maybe i didn't i didn't get into therapy and i didn't start really doing the heavy lifting and the and the necessary work on myself in time but i didn't know how to have that conversation yeah and i don't know you know once things kind of started to fall apart it like fell apart real quickly and then all of a sudden i was in the wind you know and i yeah. i asked at one point i'm like just just give me a chance to catch up like now i know how to have the conversation now and now i'm beginning to develop the vocabulary like i'm just getting out of the starting blocks you've been working on yourself for a couple of years your way down the road but i don't want to not be married i don't want to I don't want to be on my own. I, li I like you. I like being with you. You're my person. And I still am, you know, I talked to her yesterday. Like, I, I'm crazy about her. I can't imagine another person that's better for me. I just, right. she's a total badass. Yeah. And, and, but I'm to a point where our relationship, I would rather have some of her in my life than none of her in my life. Because yeah. she's just one of my favorite people. But man, you know, when things crumbled, they crumbled uh, kind of spectacularly and in real short order. And then all of a sudden that was it. Um, yeah. And maybe if I had done heavier lifting on my own sooner, things wouldn't have worked out the way they did. But the milk spilled. So I can just take those lessons and try to make a better version of myself going forward. If, you know, provided that there's like another person in my future, which I don't think is likely. Well, you know, we used to say uh, way back in the day when I lived, uh, I would take the bus places around Boston, that the best way to make the bus come was to light a cigarette and pretend that it wasn't coming. <laughs> but you really had to believe it. You had to light that cigarette. And pretty much halfway through the cigarette, the bus would come because the bus would be there to ruin the smoke. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of how love is. You kind of you gotta have to just forget that it's out there and that it's looking for you. That's it'll, how it worked out. it'll show up. That's how it worked out the first time. Um, yeah. Like, I just wasn't, I wasn't looking, you know? And I was totally, and I'm still, like, I'm not, <laughs> excuse me, I'm not the kind of person who's, who's like, uh, hangs my identity on whatever relationship I'm in. Like I'm kind of been a serial, uh, bachelor, like, you know, before that I dated here and there and the other place and it was all okay, but it was all okay. And then I met the person that I was like, Oh, head and shoulders above beyond. Okay. And this is yeah. like, Oh, ah, this is, this is cool. Like 
it's like a psychic connection. It took so long to meet somebody like that too. And then now I'm out to pasture. I'm old. I'm just, I'm spent. I'm useless. Nobody wants this. I don't know. So maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I just got to light a cigarette and wait for the bus. I also should mention that the first, the question one says, do you even believe in regret? And I didn't read anything beyond that. I know. And then it says, or do you think quoting the butthole surfer said it's better to regret something you have done than something you haven't done, which I went straight to the butthole surfers quote anyway, without well, having read those notes. Uh, again, are we the same fucking person that like you, like what, you know, anyway, um, I mean, I, I, I have a similar thing to you in that like I, I had to stop drinking when I was 20 cause I was on the verge. I felt of dying. Uh, Cause I was just rage. I was, uh, whatever. I was all fucked up. So I stopped drinking and I sort of like white knuckle sobered it for a while while I figured out how to not drink. Cause that took a while and I was playing in bands, right? So it's like you show up to parties or, or whatever. Most people would be drunk. I had to like go and play gigs and then leave, but whatever. But, um, my point is that it took me a long time to go do recovery work. I don't think I did recovery work until after my kid or even, yeah, after my first kid was born. And I was, you know, all of that is like wrapped up in chronic depression. And, and it, at some point my wife said to me, is this really the dad you want to be? Do you want to be miserable all the time? Is that what you want to show the kids? And she wasn't like a dick about it. She was just sort of saying to me straight up, like, is this, is this really what you want this to look like? And I was like, oh, and I called my doctor. And I made when you call a doctor to say, like, I need help with my depression. The first thing they do is say, are you thinking about hurting yourself or other people? And I said, have you ever driven around Boston and not thought about hurting other people? <laughs> And thankfully, she had a sense of humor. And I was like, but no, actually, I'm not. I'm not, act, you know. So then I started this whole process of like dealing with depression, doing addiction recovery. And I and it's made it made just it made the most massive difference to the way I see life and the and the type of person I am and the type of person I want to be. And I, like, I basically lost a decade not doing it. Mm hmm. I was like, oh, I quit drinking, so that's enough. Like, I just did, like, I took the first step, and that's enough. And I really thought that for a while. In fact, when I met with a guy shortly after I, I went to see, I went, met with a social worker. The doctor, I think, sent me to the social worker, and the social worker was like, well, everything you're telling me, have you done any recovery work? I was like, I haven't had a drink in more than a decade, you fucking asshole. I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. But fortunately, I was desperate enough to, like, feel better. That I was like, just tell me where to, sh just tell me where to fucking go. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, uh, you talking about, um, you, you did this, you did this one big piece. And so that, that's the, that's the thing. Like that's the foundation that all this other stuff is, should potentially be built on. But when you do that one big thing, you think, okay, now it's off to the races. Bob's your right. uncle cooking with daddy. I got this. <laughs> Yeah. But that's 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 the beginning of a life of hard work, beginning to have that conversation, starting to have that conversation and beginning to develop to develop that vocabulary. Like that's the start of the of the heavy lifting. But but at least, you know, where the handles are, you know, like that's been a big piece of all of this journey for me is, you know, I told a therapist at one point, a couples therapist, uh, maybe ironically but i was like i feel like i've been adrift like i've just been bobbing my whole yeah. life yeah. and i'm not on land but i can see land and it really felt like that like this is the first time i have a a, a directive and something to work towards and i might never get to land i might get a little closer i might touch some sandy bottom giggity yeah but i <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I probably won't ever get there, but it's, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, the crux of it is that 
you're never done working on yourself. And I, that's maybe a regret, but I didn't know before, you know, I know now. Oh, as I was thinking about this topic and this episode, and I don't, I don't plan anything, right? We don't plan any of these conversations really, but you know, some of this stuff swirls in my head before we, we start almost all of my quote unquote regrets relate to either being misinformed about how life works uh, or being hopelessly naive. Um, and I f- completely relate to your analogy there because when I started down this path, the, the like joy and revelation of it wasn't that I was fixed and I'm still not fixed, but I knew which direction to go in finally. Mm-hmm. And that was like so hopeful up to that point. Like you said, I was just bobbing. I was, I wasn't even bobbing. I was just barely treading water. I was just barely treading water. Like my depression was somewhere between like low key miserable and, uh, uh, sort of like borderline suicidal. And so, and having kids was totally overwhelming, like brain crushing. Um, yeah. In the, lo- midst of, in the midst of all of that, I would imagine. So, yeah, it was just like, I don't almost <clears throat> all the time. I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to get through today. Um, and so doing all of that work, which I didn't think I had any time for turned out to be pretty fantastic. And that's why anytime we talk about mental health on this show, I always say like, I don't know what the answer is for any particular person, but just start trying things. Just fucking start, just go in a direction because the sooner you can start, uh, the sooner you'll get to a place where you're, you finally are like, oh yeah. I'm on the right path now. Yeah. Floundering and you'll flounder in the beginning of the process too. It might not. Oh yeah. This is the thing that I, I I probably brought it up here. I tell people, you know, you might invest six months in some kind of therapy or talking to talk therapy or somatic therapy or whatever. And, and then you're like, I don't know, I'm not really clicking with that person. So was that six months a waste? No, because you actually began to learn how to articulate what you're dealing with. Right. And that might open a few doors. It might close a few doors. It might, it it might change your perspective on things. And then it might make it, it will make it easier to begin this discussion again with someone else. And maybe you're not going to click with that person, but you are going to come to your own conclusions about the stuff because you're hearing yourself describe it in a, uh, neutral way you're not talking to a friend who has a biased opinion or biased uh uh advice because they love you this person cares for your well-being and you're paying them but you are kind of bringing a a, a, an an unaffected perspective into your own brain that's that that's what i've experienced anyway no i think that's i think that's really right like uh, you know, your family can tell you X, Y, and Z is wrong with you. But right. when, when I went to a group therapy, like men's group therapy with other addicts, and then eventually I did Alcoholics Anonymous and stuff, you hear people who are like you say, well, this is what was fucked up with me. And you're like, wait, wait, I'm fucked up in exactly that same way. <laughs> Where's it's, the exit from that maze? Yeah, well, it's it, you're you're it's a it's like a puzzle. You're taking you know you get a little piece yeah. from there and you get a little piece from here. And uh, analogy that I gave, it's funny. I, again, I've talked to uh, various people about uh, my whole process, and and it's always like this real guy centric thing. Like I'm collecting tools, or I'm working on cars, or this you know, right. stupid. But for whatever reason, this is how it lands in my brain. And when I was uh, back in Oakland in the spring, I was talking to my ex about like, I feel like I've got this. It's kind of a jalopy in the garage, but now I'm like buying like really bitching parts for it. Yeah. And it's like it. That's my I've become my own hobby in a way, you know, like when I get a little bit of extra money, I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this kind of therapy or r- rapid eye movement, whatever, or cranial yeah. sacral or, you know, like all of this stuff. And I feel like. If you listen to the first three episodes of this show and you listen to the last three episodes of this show, I'm not even the same person, but it is not, it's been a fucking slog to get here. 
Um, but I think like that just by itself is, I would hope could be evidence to somebody that putting the work in is worth it because the sun shines a little brighter. Honestly, I think hypnotherapy was a fucking game changer for me for all the other shit that I've tried. And it's, it's a various degrees of success. Hypnotherapy put me way over the fucking top. So weird. Hypnotherapy seemed to turn the volume down on your heartbreak. It isn't that you're not, you don't feel those feelings anymore, but they're, they don't, they're not at 11 anymore. Yeah. And, and in my own, my own heartbreak, not just with my relationship, but with my current situation or, or any, anything, just everything. It was right. just like, I was fucking bummed about everything. Uh, one thing, you know, I've been, th- this is kind of keeps coming cyclically through my head while we're having this conversation, but I wish that I had been given some kind of an ultimatum, you know, like all of a sudden it was just done. I wish that I had been told, I need you to love yourself as much as I love you. I wish that that had been said to me because I feel like, and again, whatever the horse is, the horse is gone. The door's closed, you know, but I can't help but think like if it had been put into those sort of terms, I think that would have been a, a real game changer for me. But, I, you know, I don't know, whatever. That would have been yeah. a conversation that had to happen three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why it happened the way it happened. I mean, you know, my wife, she's she's brilliant. And. what she said to me was simple and direct. It wasn't an ultimatum in the sense of like, I'm leaving if you don't fix yourself, but it was more like just saying, is this what you want? Mm -hmm. And the answer was very obviously no. So then, okay, what are you going to do about it? And funny, like the sponsor I had in AA who I still am in touch with, no matter what, complaint i ever gave him about things going on in my life he'd say oh okay yeah right okay so what are you gonna do about it just this whole idea that like if there's nothing you can do about it then just accept it and move on and you know (laughs) yeah that's right life sucks sometimes uh but if you can do something about it like what are you gonna do are you just gonna call me up and complain because whatever Sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's also totally acceptable to say, I don't know. You know, it's okay to not know what you're going to do. That's, that's also fine. But as long as you're working on a solution, as long as you're working on some, some scheme, like, (laughs) cool, then, you know, you're, then land is in sight. As long as that scheme doesn't involve hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. Well, I mean, and you, you, I think when you do this stuff, you start to, uh, you start you start to be able to identify the habits that move you in the right direction and then mm-hmm. like you get away from those things and you drift and you you find yourself on the rocks and you're like oh right i have to do those habits i have to return to the way mhm in order to move forward but being outside is always yeah that's always an important part of any of this i think playing outside uh, so bottom line, you know, if it's, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have regret. So I tend to kind of live my life. It's inevitable because if you're a human being with strengths and faults and you're interacting with other human beings with strengths and faults and weaknesses, well, not a faults, just weaknesses, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, sometimes you're going to end up with something that you're like, mm, I would have done that differently or I shouldn't have done that that way. Um, but once it's, once it's done, it just seems like wasted energy. I um, think that's true. I mean, sometimes like I grew up in Alabama. I I, so I'm a white guy uh, who grew up middle class in Alabama. I went to a private school and but one of my very oldest friends is uh my buddy Che. Uh you have one of his records. Mm-hmm. Um sure do. And Che comes through town because he manages tours for really good bands. So I see him somewhat often. The last time he was in town, 
uh, we had dinner together and we were just talking and I, I sat next to him in third grade. Like that's how far back we go. And, um, I said to him, I was like, you know, like conceptually, you know, that there are problems with racism in the South, but growing up inside of it, there's so much just accepted so much that's just like infrastructural that you cruise right past and and i was while i thought that i was doing the right things and on the right path i i still because i was there and naive i participated in ways that i was unaware and um you know i told him i was like i don't know at what point you give yourself grace for being naive or you think to yourself, actually, I regret some of the choices I made. So we had a good conversation about that. Um, uh, that's a good one. Uh, and he didn't, I don't think he had ready answers for me, but he was like, Oh yeah, it's fucking racist there. You know, he was like, <laughs> yeah, he was on the other side of it. Um, Incidentally, he has a band uh, called Pink Avalanche. People should listen to them. Go on. Sorry, that's just an aside. Well, that that sort of conjured up visions. Like, I don't have. Okay, I'm just thinking like when I maybe wronged people because I was a part of a mob mentality, or I was just doing the sure. thing. Like I was from a small town uh, and a small group of people, and we were like bullies, but we were also or I was also bullied. Like I was friends with the bullies, but I was, and I was bullied by them. And then I would bully other people. And yeah, um, sure. I did some really mean shit on the school bus, uh, to a couple of people. I know their lives were, uh, considerably less pleasant because of my existence. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this stopped after I got out of junior high, I didn't do it anymore. But man, when I was in the eighth and ninth grade, I was, uh, I was not a good person. My moral compass was broken. I wasn't breaking into people's houses and I wasn't hurting animals and stuff, but I was doing things that would, that were hurting people's feelings because they were different. You know, kids are fucking cruel. Mm. I think it's kind of a Lord of the flies sort of a scene when grownups aren't around anarchy rules. And I did just to really bad things to people you know uh and i i i regret that I, I still dream about that i um got this one kid i tormented like all through elementary school and then you know once i got into high school i realized like he's just he's just a guy he's just a kid you know mm. like because mm. he because he looks different or he has like a tiny little miniature backpack on his belt that has like asthma inhalers in it like that doesn't why did why am I, why am I fucking with this kid? Why don't I just go play with my friends and like play GI Joes and do all that stuff? Like, why do I have to focus on this guy? And we worked together. The, my last summer I was in Colorado, we worked this, I, I was working for this dude who's doing, doing construction and this guy got job brought on a job and he was like, a, he was kind of like a beat dog. Like I was interacting with him normally um, but he, he, it was very clear that he remembered mm. me being a piece of shit to him when I was younger. And, um, uh, uh, I, w you know, I wish that I could tell him one kid actually came up to me at my 20th reunion. Well, he's not a kid. He was a grown up at this point. And he said, you were a, a horrible person. I, it was weird because it was small. So I was friends with him, but I was also super fucking mean to him. Mm-hmm. And he said, you were a horrible person to me. And I said, man, I, I know, I know I'm, I can't begin to apologize enough. I have no excuses. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, and I, t I sent him an email later on. I was like, that was super bold. Like it was, it took a lot of bravery and a lot of nerve. And I know that if you said something 20 years after the fact, this is something that's colored your reality. And, and I hate that I was a part of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess things are good. I, I don't see him, but I love that he, he felt compelled to get that off his chest. And I love that we were able to have that exchange. And I wish I could have that exchange 
and try to make amends or atone for my my fucking sins against some of these people when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in two minds about that because I, I also was bullied and bullied. And I think that's sort of like the shit rolls downhill theory. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I got to take the abuse that I'm given and put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Which is not an excuse at all. Um, you know, there's a, as, as we were just saying, there's a certain amount of naivete where you're like, oh, if you perpetuate this and participate in it, it's just as bad for you as it is for them. Um, but I also think like w- your children, you're uneducated, you're uninformed. And so you can't beat yourself up too much. It's great if you can apologize. It's great if you can make amends it's great if you can own your your bullshit especially where it's affected people uh but at the same time like we are highly imperfect all of us mm-hmm. highly imperfect right none of us is so ex- well you and i and and everyone listening no one is so extraordinarily good or extraordinarily bad we're all middle market <laughs> mediocre imperfect humans doing the best we can Uh, Which doesn't mean we haven't made mistakes that we should own, but just that, like, you don't have to, you don't have to throw yourself on the funeral pyre or, 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 that's the wrong analogy, but I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And I won't. And I don't, I mean, it's just something that like it, it is a indelible part of my subconscious and it makes me sad that I had a hand in making people sad because I I was a really sensitive kid. Yeah, I was, I was a contradiction in all of the ways. I was a really sensitive kid. I hated getting fucked with. And then so out of fear or general, I don't know why I did some of these things to some of these people. It was just, it was, it's inexcusable, but you know, I'm trying to, I've tried to live a good life for the last 40 years, always keeping in mind that I'm, yeah, I'm human. And sometimes I'm going to, sometimes I'm going to fall. Well, that's, that was actually, this is actually, I think you've just perfectly crystallized the point of this show because, you know, we're mature and we can see these things in an educated or in more in more informed way now. But like all of us have some things that bother us. All of us have those things that come to us late at night and go, you know, that thing you did in 1990. It still sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I think otherwise, like I don't really have. I guess those are my if I'm looking across the landscape of my existence to this point, those are my two biggies and I can't do much about either of them except to live and try to go forward uh, and be a better person. Uh, so now we, you got a, you wrote a would you rather, and I still have a bunch of would you rathers. Well, maybe I'll save my would you rathers for another time. Cause this is a pretty good one. All right. Well, okay. So th- the one I wrote this week is, would you rather always have a booger hanging out of your nose or always have your fly down? And I should say that these aren't mutually exclusive. Just because your fly is always down doesn't mean there will never be a booger in your nose. You're still a human person Uh and vice versa. So I'd rather always have my fly down. My fly is down most of the time. Anyway, my flies, the flies on most of all of my pants uh, are broken. And so (laughs) the shit, the zipper just falls down on its own. One time I was, uh, it's just a couple years ago. I was skating and I kept, I was like, what the fuck? I feel like my fly's down. I keep looking, my fly's not down, but just something down there doesn't feel quite right. And I realized later on, cause I, I used to wear, um, like I wear stretchy boxers now. Yep. Um, and it also happened when I was working in the Swobo warehouse, I would climb these pallet shelves, uh, and like grab boxes of clothes or bikes or whatever. I was like a, a monkey. Like I was up and down the pallet shelving all day long. Yep. And then I felt like something wasn't quite right in both instances. I pulled my pants down and I had completely blown out of my boxer shorts. Like they were, <laughs> they were like one leg was on and the waistband and the other leg was just tatters. <laughs> so like my junk is just dangling 
And so that's why I was like, I feel a breeze. I don't feel totally contained. So I com- mm. I like just vaporized my underwear. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, why is this both believable and funny? <laughs> so, so now I wear uh, what are they called? Uh, Boxer briefs. Pair of thieves is a oh. is an underwear company. And God uh, damn it, we wear the same underwear too. Are you serious? I'm serious. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good company and they do good stuff and they, you know, they donate clothes to uh, homeless popula- houseless populations in and around Los Angeles, I think. And yeah. anyway, I bought some of those a few years ago and now it's just no going back. They're, they're stretchy and they're, they're comfy and they are durable and they have a little button in front in the fly. So if um, you are running around with your zipper down your junk's not going to be exposed. <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, I think, um, this is the, uh, this is the, what you get to with your fly being down. Your fly is down. And so you have this natural feeling of vulnerability and embarrassment maybe, but I've never had my fly down and my stuff just like fully jailbreak. Yeah. No, no, I haven't either. Yeah. So it's, it's like, uh, I would okay. I'm also going to choose fly it's down good. because the booger situation isn't good for anyone. No. And if it's always think about it, you know, it's there. So you remove the booger, but the booger, there's just a new booger. It's just, it's, just, it's like a bullets in a in a clip. They just keep p- popping into the chamber. It's like the uh, magician's uh, handkerchief <laughs> where you're just, <laughs> just. I was, w- I was with my friend Allison and her daughter uh at one point and we were cruising around her daughter her younger daughter i think is i don't know 15 years old now and this was when she was probably 13 we we're walking around allison's like oh your fly's down i was like yep it's just how it is i'm not even gonna <laughs> fix it because it's just gonna the zipper's just gonna fall down again like yep, i think yep, yep. that's just what happens with ben davis zippers after they've been zipped up and zipped down 15,000 times they just don't hold their purchase anymore and the zipper just goes down on its own and she's like oh my god uh my kid would have like crawled into a cave never to be seen again she that would have embarrassed her so badly and i'm like fuck we got zippers you know we're people it's like it's like being (laughs) embarrassed to having a hangnail or you know messy hair like we just clothing man by the way i also have a hangnail and messy hair but yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and probably yeah. a booger. I I think uh, I know a couple people that like they don't their zippers just don't even work anymore. Maybe the zipper part the the it just is gone. So there's the teeth and and they just have like a safety pin in there. So it's always kind of they're always kind of exposed. And that's kind of yeah. I like those people. Those people are like those are the kind of people who work with their hands. They don't give a shit about stuff like zippers. Yeah, they're just making cabinets and you know. Yeah. Peeing, peeing out a top hole or the bottom hole. <laughs> it's great. Uh, hey, that's it. Show's over, folks. If you've been drinking, let someone else drive you home. If you haven't been drinking, now might be a good time to start. On behalf of the Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast, I'm Steve. Don't forget to suck it.